You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about a clinical trial evaluating gabapensin, melatonin, and acepromazine prior to hospital visits for aggressive and anxious dogs with our guest, Renata Costa. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today, we have Renata joining us from Murdoch University in Australia. Thank you, Renata, so much for being here and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today. Thank you very much for having me, and it's always a pleasure to discuss the GMA or CHILL protocol. All right, let's dive right in. Renata, your manuscript has received a lot of attention on social media. We promoted it last Monday, and so far it's received over 600 different kind of like interactions and the reach is over several thousand people, which is fantastic. And it discusses a combination of gabapentin, melatonin, and acepromazine prior to hospital visits and how that reduced signs of stress in 91.1% of dogs. This study also received a fear-free research grant. Can you give our listeners a bit of background on this clinical trial? Yeah, so the target population for this prospective study uh, were dogs with a known history of anxiety, fear, uh, or fear aggression during hospital visits. So we had these dogs coming into the hospital without any drugs on board, um, and we're evaluating them using a standardized examination and video recording them. And that was to get a baseline of their behaviors and uh, levels of stress. Then after about two weeks, we had them coming back uh, and the owners were sent home with the medication. So gabapentin, melatonin, and acepromazine. And the owners were, um, you know, we explained to them how to administer those drugs. So basically all dogs received 20 to 25 milligrams per kilogram of gabapentin the night before the appointment. And again, 20, 25 milligrams per kilogram of gabapentin in the morning of the appointment plus melatonin, a tablet as well, three milligrams uh, or five milligrams per dog. So dogs over 10 kilos received uh, the five milligram tablet, plus ACE. So acepromazine at 0.05 milligrams per kilogram oral transmucosal. So we use for the CHILL protocol or GMA protocol, we use injectable acepromazine. And we sent the uh, owners uh, with a syringe without a needle, and they would apply (laughs) that uh, ACE uh, under the patient's, uh, the pet's tongue. And the main thing we highlighted is to make sure that these morning drugs were given 90 to 120 minutes before the appointment, so they had time to work. And then we assess the, the patients again uh, in their stress behaviors and also sedation levels post-GMA or CHILL protocol. Thank you. And this is a little off script, but some people on social media were commenting when we promoted the manuscript asking about owner or client compliance. What would you recommend to increase client compliance with this protocol since it does involve a few different sedatives prior to their visit? I think just clear communication, which is always key. And if you explain to the owners how important and how uh, much, you know, better and less stressful the protocol is going to make their paths, uh, then they tend to follow the guidelines better. Having it all written down, really, you know, clear information on how to give, the time to give. So if you want to specify, give Galapantin at 10 p.m. the night before, it's, it's actually better for the owners. 
um, in the 90 to 120 minutes also, you know, highlighted in yellow or something. Uh, I also tend to send them uh, with at least normally two syringes with the ACE in case they spilled it or if, you know, for some reason the dog moved or something, then I sent them with the two little one extra um, dose of acepromazine, but making sure to tell them do not give both. <laughs> it's probably okay anyways, but just making sure that they know there's just if something goes, you know, badly wrong, <laughs> then they have an extra syringe. Oh, great. And what were some of the important findings from this study? I think the most important finding was uh, the increased compliance, right? After the Jimmy protocol was on board, so the animals were much easier to handle. Uh, they were the severely stressed dogs uh, were mildly to sometimes moderately uh, stressed after the, the GMA protocol, uh, but basically managed to do the standardized examination so much easier after uh, they had the drugs on board. And we had eight dogs out of 45 that we couldn't do parts of the exam because it was dangerous. They were really aggressive and it was just not safe uh, for anybody. <laughs> uh, for example, like palpate, you know, abdominal palpation or oscitate the heart and lungs. Now, after the GMA or CHILL protocol, uh, most of the animals, we managed to do the complete examination, which was great. Uh, and I think another finding that was not unexpected, uh, it was that we had an increased sedation levels on those patients. However, the animals were mildly to moderately sedated. So it was not, most of them were not like heavy sedated or heavily sedated. Uh, or And we didn't actually notice any other adverse effects. Uh, we didn't notice and the owners also didn't report any other adverse effects, which is good. Yeah, good old ace promazine, Renata. You know, I've been an equine surgeon for 30 years and a rider for a lot longer than that. And ace promazine was definitely our friend and got forgotten for a long time when the demo sedan and all the others came along. And it's ace promazine is is an amazing drug. So uh, you're you're a lecturer, I think a senior lecturer in anesthesia and analgesia. What what of that component inspired you to do this research interest in animal behavior? It was, I think it started with my training, especially during residency. So the exposure to an extremely high caseload uh, during my residency, and we had to be really efficient. But we also had a large number of aggressive or fear aggressive patients. So we had to be fast, but we also needed to provide good patient care. So the management of these animals um, with the CHILL protocol on board was so much easier. And I was introduced to this protocol at, at Tufts University and seeing the results, um, that was just impressive. Um, and obviously, it's not 100%. Patients are different, right? But the success, the success rate is really good. Um, and I think also as an anesthesiologist, right, later on, uh, I have a kind of like more in-depth knowledge and understanding of pharmacology. So that in addition to the clinical experience and, you know, our good old thorough literature review, uh, really provide the tools for, uh, for us to, you know, be able to design uh, studies and hopefully evaluate these protocols that are out there. Yeah, it, it's 
It's actually obviously so, so important. Less stress. It'd be nice if you could measure the stress on the owners too, and the front oh, office awesome. staff and everybody in the client waiting room. And, you know, on, on my side, it's how do you get the dang horse back on the trailer <laughs> after it's gone through its examination? So uh, managing stress in, in clients and patients is super important. Absolutely. And I think that the, these protocols really help not only decrease the stress for the patient, but also owners, everybody's, everybody that's involved, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and if it's a protocol, it's easier for implementation, right? Rather than Lisa uses this, Sarah uses that, Renata uses something else. Like everybody just knows the dosage and you don't have all these various combinations. Exactly. Yeah, you talked about how you learned about this protocol at Tufts but and, and during your residency, but how did that training really help you prepare to write the manuscript, to gather the data, do the revisions, all of those things that it takes to getting the manuscript completed? Well, I love research anyways. So I've been, you know, doing a lot of research. And I think looking at the anecdotal evidence that we had implementing the CHILL protocol. Uh, especially in the beginning, there was, uh, you know, especially with the dose of ACE, for example, it, there was like a 0.025 to 0.05 milligrams per kilogram. And over time, using the protocol over and over again, um, I've noticed that the higher dose, it was much better. It was much more efficient for most of my patients. So that clinical experience helped me, you know, kind of like focus a little bit more and get that design a little bit less, you know, with less variables, I guess. Um, The same thing for gabapentin, although I say 20 to 25, I always try to round up. So I try to get the 25 milligrams per kilogram of the gabapentin as well in those patients. Um, and if you see, like the manuscript, you'll look, most of the patients got more towards like the 25 milligrams per kilogram. Um, I think looking at the success rate and thinking about what would be, uh, how can we make this anecdotal evidence or based on clinical experience, uh, a interesting study that provides like, you know, safety of the combo and reliability of the combo. So that's why I thought, let's, record these patients so we don't miss anything and we can assess uh, body posture, eye position. And I did have an amazing behaviorist um, helping with this study, uh, Dr. Barnes Will. So she was really helpful in, you know, gathering and creating those, you know, uh, stress scales for us to be, you know, truly be able to, because it's something so subjective. And we try to make it as objective as possible to get a more reliable data on those protocols. There's so many protocols out there, and there's not a lot of studies looking at them, right? So it's it's important, yes, clinical experience, it is important, but it's also important to um, study to make sure that the anecdotal evidence remains true when you actually look at, at doing a, you know, a prospective study. So I have to ask, are cats next on the docket? Because there's so many cat protocols out there too, from kitty magic yes. to things. <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on a another uh, uh, study as well, and that's with cats as well, with uh, you know pre-appointment uh, medications for cats. I-, I can tell you that the chill protocol, Jimmy protocol, also works well for cats. 
although cats tend to be, I don't know if I can say they're easier, uh, they're not, but they often sedate quite well with gabapentin, uh, even alone. So, I, you know, oftentimes I prescribe the gabapentin alone, but the chill protocol itself also I've, I've used on some of my um, feral cats and uh, it works as well. It works really well. Excellent. Well, I'll definitely be reading that manuscript whenever that one <laughs> comes out. One of my cats is pretty spicy and she looks at Gabapentin and is like, that's not going to do anything yeah. for me. <laughs> I actually took her on a plane once and I, you know, gave her like the recommended dose and it made her worse. I think she just howled and howled the whole time. <laughs> so she's the, the outlier there. <laughs> yeah. And that's sometimes when like the ACE, uh, ACE has such a bad rep, right? Uh, uh, but it's such a I uh, I love A's. Obviously, we need to know the effects and side effects of each of the agents, right? Everything has limitations, but A's does provide an extra, you know, sedation, extra, you know, it provides some, some it makes them chilled, you know, and I know there's a lot of uh, conversation and controversy with, you know, some behaviorists, but at least the people I work with, they're like, yes, yeah, at A's, A's <laughs> worked well. Um, we'll see. I, uh, we'll see with you know the cat study. Hopefully, then that comes out soon-ish. It's not going to be really soon, but soonish. <laughs> Great. Well, be on the look for it. And this next set of questions are very important to our listeners. The first one: What is the most important piece of information the veterinarian should know before discussing this topic with the client? Uh, I think the two main points before recommending the drug protocol or any drug protocol. The first one is to understand that the GMAO chill protocol could result in patient-specific sedation. And then we need to let the owners know that. Um, you know, obviously, if uh, for some reason this is a, a pet that gets, you know, moderately sedated, then we don't want to, you know, let the dog jump from the car or be near stairs. So then, you know, uh, knowledge of that and that discussion with the owner is really important. And second is what we talked about before prescribing any drugs, you should definitely know their effects and side effects and their limitations. And you need to know your patient to see if there are a, you know, if there's a specific comorbidity that would make that protocol and those agents are relatively safe, but maybe there's something that will make it contraindicated. Uh, there's not a lot of concern uh, at the moment for what, with what we know um, with the administration of gabapentin and melatonin. Isoprolazine, like I said, some people tend to be afraid of it, but it is quite safe. But if you have a patient that is noticeably dehydrated or hypovolemic, maybe you should consider decreasing the dose of isoprolazine or maybe even not recommending a specific protocol. So as long as the veterinarian knows their patients, the drugs, and um, is able to you know, communicate well with the owners, I think we're good to go. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. And then what is the most important information the client should know about this topic? So thinking about this from the other side of the relationship. For me, the biggest thing is... Uh, for the client to understand that this drug protocol is designed to help their pet. Oftentimes they're like, oh, you just want to give drugs to my to my animal, but why? Uh, it's fine, right? You can just, you know, uh, I think 
before, a few years ago, hopefully several years ago, that forceful restraint and struggle that used to be, you know, the way to go. Uh, but we know now, clinical experience and also the literature showed that that is not good. It's really harmful to the animals. Not only it makes them really stressed, it makes everybody stressed, uh, it puts everybody in danger, uh, and it actually worsens, they can worsen their behavior in the future. They can become even like, if they're just fearful, then later they can become aggressive. So I think uh, really highlighting how the protocol was to just provide what we say fear-free technique. You know, and to allow for us to perform our physical examination or procedure in a gentle way and also decrease the stress levels that that pet is feeling when it's coming to the hospital. So I think as long as like what I've noticed when you specify and really highlight that with the owners and discuss that and explain that we're doing this for their pet's benefit, which is true, right? We're improving animal welfare. That's why we're recommending these drugs. And we don't recommend the chill protocol, GMA protocol for everybody. And I had lots of people asking like, oh, do you think we should give to everybody? I don't think so. I think there are specific patients that require that. The anxious, the fearful, the fear aggressive, those patients require those, you know, th- this type of technique, right? It's, they need some chemical restraint. They need some, you know, tranquilization or sedation or being a little bit chilled. So I think that is the biggest thing to highlight and explain to them that we're doing that for their pet. And I think the second thing, if I, you know, like one more point is to also manage expectations. Uh, Explain that not all animals respond the same. Like we're, you know, we're all individuals. We'll respond differently to different drugs, right? And so some dogs will be, like we saw, many of them will have you know decreased distress levels, and some will be mildly sedated, and they will be perfect. So we can do everything—the examinations or procedures, uh, or premedication, right? Allow us to do a, a safe and less stressful premedication. Uh, but some of them can get more sedated, so that's why they need to monitor those animals. Uh, and some others, it's not going to work straight away. So the on, the moment that you manage their expectations, then they will be probably much less frustrated if they have to come back a third time because you probably will have to tailor that protocol, maybe the doses, right? Or maybe change some things in that for, um, so you can actually perform the procedure or the examination um, safely. Uh, so as long as they are prepared for that, so like just explaining and managing expectations, I think, and it all all goes back to good communication with the owners and with the clients. Yeah, that's pretty key for all of our things that we do in veterinary medicine. I remember as a first year veterinary student being taught how to towel mean cats. And I was like, I can't. It was so stressful for me. And like the people that did it and they were like, oh, this is good for them. And you're like, really? Like you just made a sausage out of that cat and it's in there like howling. So uh, it's it's actually one of the reasons I didn't go into small animal. I, the mean cat in the cage was, I would rather get into a stall with a bull any day than get that mean cat out of the cage. <laughs> so maybe, maybe my career would have been different with this protocol, but 
Um, you're clearly very accomplished and, uh, you know, moving around from Tufts back to Australia. Uh, it takes a lot of determination and resilience. Where do you think your determination, resilience uh, came from? Uh, as cliche as it sounds, <laughs> I think my parents, it comes from my parents. They're my main source of inspiration and they're both really resilient and successful professionals. Both retired now, so they're living the best life, but they were. Um, and I always knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. And later on, I knew I wanted to specialize. I love anesthesia and analgesia. And I'm, I I have been so lucky throughout my career to have amazing mentors and amazing people helping me out and uh, teaching me all the things that I need to to, to learn. Um, you know, Anthea Races, she's uh, one of the anesthetists here at Murdoch University. She was my supervisor. Lois Wetmore, she was my supervisor at Tufts. There's a lot of people, but I think, you know, my parents and all these these other specialists and, and you know, veterinarians that helped me along the way, I think they made it. And you see uh, your work making a difference. Um, so it, it just makes you just want to work harder and do more. Yeah, that's fantastic. We do hear parents a lot, which is a wonderful attribute as a parent myself. <laughs> um, but but also, you know, a shout out to mentorship is is super important. So just keep passing it on. Yes. Uh, Renata, as we wind down a little bit, something a little bit more personal. Uh, what is the most interesting or scenic trip you've been on? Uh, my husband and I love traveling, so we 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 used to travel a lot more. But COVID happened, and you know that we decreased a little bit. But I think I truly loved and fell in love with Florence in Italy, and it was so nice and so calm. And you know, it's it reminds me a little bit of my hometown. Um, but also New Zealand, uh, like New Zealand is breathtaking. So I think New Zealand is another place that's amazing. So it's hard to pick. Uh, Vietnam and Cambodia are also amazing. They're so different. I never thought about going there. My husband organized the trip and I was like, uh, you know, amazed with the history and everything. So maybe three, you ask for one, <laughs> I'll give you a couple. <laughs> That's awesome. Those places are definitely on my list. I love traveling, especially after the pandemic. I feel like I have the travel bug. So <laughs> might be emailing you for some uh, trip tips in the future. Oh, yes. I will send you pictures if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Renata. We just really appreciate your time today. And thank you too for your contribution to JAPMA. Thank you very much for having me. And yeah, I'm always here, always available to answer any questions about the GMAO chill protocol as well. And to our listeners, you can read Renata's manuscript in print JAPMA or on our journal's website. I'm Sarah Wright with Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.